back here on WrestleRant Radio for December 22nd, 2022. Days out from Christmas, Mr. Marceau. This is the annual holiday episode before the annual year in review episode. Next week, we're breaking down the 2022 WWE AEW Year in Review Awards on WrestleRant.com. But like I said, we got the Christmas episode here today, brother. What's going on? Doing good. How are you? Doing excellent. I'm just uh, looking forward to the rest of 2022. It's coming up quickly. And, uh, you know, it's funny because we had so much to discuss last week from the Mandy Rose news to the Matt Riddle news, Vince McMahon news, Sasha Banks news. This week was pretty quiet. We got a pretty quiet week heading into the holidays uh, with just talking raw and dynamite here today. So we won't have a lot to delve into, which is great. Um, But you can check out new episodes every single week at WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. Google Podcast, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. New episodes every single week. Like I said, one more episode in 2022. It's going to be that year in review award show. Can you? Does it feel like the year is already over to you? Because it doesn't to me. No, I mean, I feel like for me, like my summers usually fly by, but I feel like once it gets around the holiday time, it starts slowing down. So. It is crazy that next week will be the new year already. It's crazy. We got a lot to look forward to already in 2023. I am pumped. But, uh, you know, you got your notes out. You got your screenshots of everything you voted for. So I'm very excited to be breaking down those polls with you next week. Like I said, cannot plug that enough. You got six days, I think, from right now to vote. I mean, obviously not you, Mr. Marceau. You were one of the first to vote uh, when the polls opened two weeks ago. But I'll be closing them on Wednesday so I can obviously assess the results and review and put it all together and whatever uh, next week. And then we'll talk about it here on the show next Thursday. So before then, though, like I said, we got Raw to talk about first. We usually don't do full-on reviews of the shows. Uh, not that we will get too in-depth with Raw for Monday, but I actually really, really like the show. And we've been talking about for a long time, maybe last week or the week before, I think, about how Raw, the three hours, just isn't a good format. Now, it's something we have to live with and deal with because that's probably either never going to change or it's just not going to change anytime soon. you got to make the most of a best... You have to make the most of a bad situation. And I thought Triple H did an exceptional job of that this week with some great focus on the Bloodline stuff, a really good tag team main event with Kevin Owens and Rollins beating the Usos in non-title action, a return from Bronson Reed, a ladder match, among other things going on in the show. I actually really enjoyed Raw from this past week for the first time probably in a good two you know two months or so. No, I thought this was a good show. I thought it was probably their most complete show. I mean, the middle with the whole Dexter Loomis missed stuff kind of dragged on, but I liked how they saved uh, Bailey and Becky and then the main event to the very end. So it kind of kept your... If you're watching live, it kept your kind of interest throughout the whole show, which I feel like they usually drop off in the third hour because there's usually some pretty bad stuff on. Yeah, they switched up the stagnant stagnant formula a bit more than usual. Um, usually they save a lot of the filler for that third hour, but like you said, we had that Rollins theory exchange at the beginning of hour one, or sorry, hour three, and then we had Becky and Bailey go a little while as well as the tag team event. So the, the third hour might have been the best of the bunch, uh, which was uh, kind of a nice refreshing break from what we've gotten in recent weeks, which was great. We did open the show with tag team action, the Prophets beating the Judgment Days, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Montez Ford, I believe, getting that like surprise roll up on Balor. I'm surprised Balor got pinned just because they've been largely protecting him lately. Rumor is that he might be facing Edge in Hell in the Cell match. We talked about you know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe Bobby and Brock at the Rumble Hell in the Cell was the original rumor. Now it might be Edge and Finn Balor. Maybe with Finn Balor being the demon, we don't know. Probably not, I would assume. Uh, but that might be coming up in January. So Finn taking the pin was surprising, but giving the Prophets a victory here, perfectly fine by me. Nice little tag team feud, and that led immediately into Rhea Ripley taking on Akira Tozawa in an impromptu, unadvertised match, which was actually a lot of fun. The middle got a bit messy with some of the botches and awkward moments, but overall a really fun match, and 
me and, and definitely you as well have been saying for a while now that Rhea should start to face the men. Now, I wasn't expecting it because WWE just doesn't do that sort of stuff. It's a PG product for whatever reason. Maybe it's a sponsor thing. I don't know. You know, they just don't do intergender matches. I'm not a big intergender tag, you know, match fan, you know, tag team match fan, whatever, but um, with the intergender stuff. Singles matches, I get it. I'm not a big fan of it, but with Rhea and someone like Akira, it made perfect sense. Uh, Akira sold his ass off for Rhea, and he also got some offense since it wasn't a straightforward squash, and Rhea ended up picking up the victory. So I like that a lot, and I hope they do more of it. No, I thought it was the perfect kind of, he was like the perfect person to have Rhea in there with. I will say, like, obviously, like, the one thing, obviously, like, I, that's probably a sponsorship, like, he never, like, actually, like, really hit her, so it's like, if they're not going to be able to, like, do anything like that, like, I mean, I kind of get it to a point, but it's like, we can't even, like, hit her, then what's the point of having the match, but for what it was, it was good, like, so there was a couple of botches in the beginning, but I fucking died when they announced it, I was like, this is great. That I think we are just, like, perfectly built for that, so, obviously, she's not going to be beating up, like, the big guys, but uh, beating up someone like Tizawa kind of, like, puts her over a little bit more. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I mean, like I said on Hashtag on Wednesday, we're not getting Rhea versus Brock Lesnar. I mean, Rhea versus someone like Akira is perfect. I've even said, and this might be too unrealistic for some people, but Rhea Ripley versus someone like an AJ Styles, who I know is you know a phenomenal athlete, pun intended, um, he's, a, he's a significantly smaller guy than Rhea, who looks like she could fucking kill half the roster. So something like that I thought would make sense. I know you mentioned that he couldn't hit her. I agree with that. I, I noticed that too. Obviously, they can't, I guess, do that. Um, I, I guess you can't, like... The man can't strike a woman on the show, but, like, you can have her get hit with, like, an RKO, for example. Like, when Nia Jax got the 619 and the RKO from Rey Mysterio and Orton in the Rumble a few years ago. I guess you could do moves, but not actually strike them. So, if that's the philosophy, you could still work out a match with that. Because Akira couldn't hit her, and he was hesitant to hit her. But he did hit her with, like, a drop kick and maybe, like, a... Not a sunset flip, but, like, a Huracan Rana or something. He did hit a couple moves. He wasn't completely you know, squashed here. So, uh, no, I thought that was really fun, and we'll see what they got going on next. Honestly, this feels like a perfectly fine filler feud for the Judgment Day until very likely Edge and Beth come back for either, you know, uh, something at the Rumble or something in time for Mania. It kind of feels like they're in a transitional period right now, but as we've said before, the Judgment Day have quickly become one of the better parts of Raw recently, and I never thought I would say this. Dominic... Almost saved the group. Triple H really saved the group. But him adding Judgment Day, him to Judgment Day a few months ago, ended up being the best thing to ever happen to that group. He is. I mean, I, I, at first I was very skeptical, but I fucking, I mean, I die at the mommy stuff. I know some people don't love it, but I legitimately die at that stuff. I think it's hilarious. And him and Rhea's connection is just hilarious to me. Yeah, no, it's, I, I thought it was real cringy at first, but they've uh, it's, it's grown on me and he's playing the role real well. So uh, it's perfectly fine with me. Uh, we had the OC beating the Alpha Academy, which, what else is new? They lose uh, every week. Do uh, Alpha Academy, do Chad Gable and Otis. But, um, yeah, the match was fine. This was really just to set up the Bloodline coming out afterward, attacking the OC, and setting up Zayn and Styles for later on in the show. Uh, on that same note, we'll just talk about it now. Sami Zayn beating AJ Styles, following interference from Solo Sokoa, who was all over the show. Uh, Sami's second straight win over AJ after already beating him a few months ago. So, um, yeah, th- it seems like the OC might be firmly in the sights of the Bloodline, which I honestly like a lot. I don't know where it's going. Maybe it's an interim TV feud. I don't know. But, you know, we were saying before we hit live here, before we hit record, before we went live, that Gallows and Anderson don't do a ton for me personally. They don't do a ton for you either. And I know we're not the only ones. They're just not really overly interesting. That being said... 
A Bloodline OC feud could be very interesting heading into the Rumble. I don't know if we get Roman and AJ, because that seems like it's a bit far off. Um, but I do like the idea of keeping them busy by feeding with the Bloodline before the Bloodline get to Mania and they likely lose all their championships. Yeah, I mean, I think this is fine. Like I said, uh, the, with the, the one thing I guess I'd point out, like, Alpha County like, won, like, two weeks in a row, and now they just keep eating pinfalls. So, like, they beat Riddle, and they, then they beat Elias, like, singles action, but then they just lose in every other match. Uh, I feel like they're kind of like, obviously, they're like the job or tag team, I guess, but I don't know. I feel like they got wins out of nowhere, and then lately they just lost. So, yeah, I don't really know what that kind of booking was, but... No, I think if you're going to do the OC with the, like you said, with the Bloodline, maybe just an odd TV thing, or maybe just with the Usos and Sammy and Solo, I think it works fine. I mean, I don't think it'll be working with Roman Reigns, but I, I, I don't mind it. Yeah, no, I would love to see, as we've said before, an AJ Roman Reigns rematch from uh, six, seven years ago, from 2016, but... You know, I would rather see that over Owens and Roman again at the Rumble, which I've said before, which should be a great match. But if Roman's going to beat Owens again, then what's the point? Um, has your mind changed at all as far as what Roman's match could be at the Rumble? Because it still feels like we don't have, we're any closer to finding out Roman's opponent, aside from it maybe being Kevin Owens. I was just saying, I'm pretty sure it's Kevin Owens at this point. I mean, the way that the Raw, kind of the end of Raw transpired, mm-hmm. I mean... I feel like it has to be Owens. It would have to be, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I guess he beat the Usos, and he beat Jey Uso a couple weeks ago, so unless something changes. We have another month or so till the Rumble, so they could always add someone to the equation or have Sheamus get in there, which I'm hoping, but I don't think it's overly likely at this point. Um, Another part I really liked about Raw that I forgot to mention earlier was the sit-down interview. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this with Byron Saxton, the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair, and Alexa Bliss. This was probably the best that Bliss has come off in a very long time. Um, you know, she did find the therapy segments, but those were kind of shit. The whole, that whole thing was garbage. But what I really liked about this was not only did she come across great and deliver her lines really well, as did Bianca, but they acknowledged the last two years of her career where she went with Bray, it ruined her life. It's funny, because she says in interviews that it was like the most fun she's ever had, but like, as a character, she said, yeah, you know, he screwed me over and he left me with nothing. When in reality, he was the one that got fired and she was still there and doing his gimmick, essentially. And then she went to therapy and it didn't do anything aside from making her a shell of her former self. So she's not a, it's not as if she's acting, oh, I was okay after I was gone with Bray, gone from Bray and whatever. No, she, she feels like she's been a shell of her former self, which is true, because she just has not been the same since she came back in May. Um, obviously, I'm sure that wasn't intentional at the time, but they're realizing now, hey, it's not working. Let's go in a different direction. So I love the si- I love the uh, the sit down here. I love the back and forth. Alexa attacking Bianca. I don't know if it counts as a full fledged heel turn, but uh, I thought the execution of the segment was really, really well done to build towards their Raw Women's Championship match two weeks on Raw. No, I thought this was good. Like I said, I, I like how they went full circle and they like, kind of like brought people up to, like you said, kind of told their story the last couple of years. Love that, how they acknowledged that part and kind of moved on from there. So I thought it was good. And like I said, I don't think it's a full-fledged heel turn. Obviously, like we saw like the Wyatt thing and then she hit her with the vase. But um, this is probably, like you said, the, probably the best that she's come off in the last two years since she lost the uh, the whole Fiend character. So oh, I liked that. I liked how they kind of connected the dots here and kind of told what she's been doing and I thought she came off good. I thought Bianca did as well. I, I really liked the segment. Yeah, this was well done. In the match, I was already... Kind of looking forward to, because it's not a match we've seen before. Bianca and Alexa have never gone one-on-one on TV, so it's a fresh match. And not only that, but they're saving it for the Raw of the first Raw of 2023, which is great. Um, they're not saving it for the Rumble. They could always do a rematch of the Rumble, but I like how they're stacking that show. More on that later. We had a winner-take-all ladder match with uh, Dexter Loomis and The Miz, and a rivalry that ran its course a long time ago. The match was fine. 
Um, I enjoyed it, actually. I know you said it was was long and it was dull at points. I completely agree. Early on, people just did not give a fuck because this feud is going on forever. But I thought they got the crowd into it with some of the spots later on. And, um, you know, it was a fine match. But the real climax was Loomis was about to win before being thwarted by the returning Bronson Reed, formerly known as Jonah in New Japan and in Impact and elsewhere. Obviously, he was Bronson Reed in WWE's NXT brand before getting fired in the summer of last year. So I have plenty of thoughts on this, but what was your takeaway? What was your reaction to seeing Bronson Reed being the latest rehire of Triple H uh, back in WWE? I thought, like I said, the match itself was fine. I'm just so over the whole Dexter Miz stuff, so maybe that's why. I just felt like the match dragged on, and I I just really don't care about either guy, so that probably doesn't help either, but... um... No, I, when Bronson, I knew exactly, I mean, I know who he is. And when I saw, like, his figure, I knew exactly who it was. I thought it was pretty cool. I, knew, I mean, no one really, like, I mean, Des Moines cared less. I mean, they just sat on their hands like probably most people at, at home did. But, no, I, I thought it was good. And I don't think he's going to be with the Miz, like we said before we talked. They had, like, a they had like an exclusive uh, video on, on either Twitter or, like, on their YouTube page. And it was basically, like, it seemed like more of, like, a, a bounty. Like, he, like got the money from the Miz and went on his merry way. Like, I don't think it's hopefully going to be like them, like him as like the Miz is heavy. Cause I just don't need to see that. Yeah. No, they should have aired that on the show. I mean, it's the same thing. Like with, uh, on SmackDown last week, they had Zia Lee of all people attack Tegan Knox during the women's tag team title match. And then they revealed it was Zia Lee on fucking YouTube or Twitter or social media, whatever. And then they acknowledged it on SmackDown, but it was so random. I'm like, what? So they've never done that before. I thought that was so weird. And this wasn't the same thing because it wasn't like a cliffhanger. I mean, it kind of was, but they showed him taking the money from Miz and then, like you said, going on his merry way, uh, which I thought made perfect sense because Miz won all that money back and Bronson wanted a cut of it, so it made a lot of sense. I like that. They do not need to be aligned. They should not be aligned. Um, I don't think he'll be the new John Morrison or another bodyguard for the Miz. I don't think he should be. Um, I don't think he'll be the new Ciampa. I mean, he's kind of filling that role now, I guess, but I, I hope he's not. They don't need to be a tag team. Miz has already been in the tag team division a million times. No fucking thanks. I don't want to see a Miz, Bronson Reed, Johnny, Loomis tag team match, which I guess they could do. But listen, the the, the worst part about all of this, about the Miz winning, is that the feud may not be over. Like, I find it hard to believe realistically would Loomis lose all that money and then just like, oh, okay, on to the next thing. Like, probably not. I would rather see him feud with Bronson Reed or do something with Bronson then continue on with The Miz. Because The Miz got his money back, who gives a shit? You know, like, who cares? It should really just be about Bronson at this point. And remember, Johnny was the one who beat, or rather lost to Bronson for the North American title, I think about a year and a half ago in NXT, so they do have history. And I'm sure Bronson and Loomis have had matches on NXT too. So you mentioned, to acknowledge what you said over text a couple days ago, I do agree that I think he would have gotten a bigger reaction if they weren't in Des Moines or whatever. Um, if they were in Chicago, like you said, or whatever the fuck, if they weren't in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, but people, I still think people largely would not care because he's never been on the main roster. And I'm not taking it, I'm not criticizing you. I'm criticizing the overall feedback that I saw on Twitter because I didn't watch the show live. Um, you didn't, you didn't spoil this for me, but I did see something. Someone sent me a DM and I never usually get DMs about Raw, but it indicated like they were talking about Bronson. I'm like, oh fuck. What? I mean, I, I got that spoiled for me, unfortunately, but otherwise I thought it was cool. Um, I saw a lot of feedback online after the fact from people talking about it on, you know, late Monday night. Oh, they didn't care. It's the latest Triple H return that no one gives a shit about. Who the fuck is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. 
the same people who I'm sure were very quiet when Parker Bordeaux or whatever his name is came out on, you know, uh, Dynamite. And I like Parker from what I've seen, but like no one gave a shit about that either when he came out to help swerve on Dynamite, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But why why would people go crazy? Like I I texted this and I was I think I tweeted this too, but like why the fuck would anyone react differently than they did? A lot of people who go to Raw do not watch NXT, and not only that, he hasn't been on NXT in a year and a half. He's never been on the main roster. He wasn't the biggest name in NXT. I think he's great. I loved his work outside of WWE. I think he can be a real asset to WWE if booked the right way on the Raw roster. But people expecting him to come in and what, like... Everyone just taking turns shitting on, like... Some of the returns have been disappointing. I will not disagree with you on that. We talked about that last week. But, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, what did people expect? He hasn't been on the on the show for... What, are these people watching Impact? No shit. I mean, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make much sense. What, <laughs> like, the people's feedback and reaction to it, shitting on this guy for literally no reason, makes no fucking sense to me at all. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really understand the hate. I mean, like I said, I think if it was, like, in a bigger, maybe smarkier crowd, he probably got a better reaction. But like you said, with most, not everyone that watches Raw watches NXT. It's not like he's literally right off NXT TV either. Like you said, he's been gone for over a year. But, I don't know, I feel like... Putting him in Des Moines definitely didn't help. I mean, they didn't really seem like the most smart crowd that they've ever gone to. So, it is what it is. I didn't expect really a huge reaction, anyways. But I think if you put in a better, if put in a like a bigger city like a Brooklyn or uh, Boston or stuff, Chicago, like they put that in Chicago, would have got a way bigger reaction than what he did in Des Moines. So, yeah, not that really big deal. But I mean, people are shitting on it. But I mean, like you said, it wasn't like he was the biggest high they've ever had either. So. It is what it is. I don't know. I, I feel like, like you said, people just want to shit on it, just shit on it, but I think if he could be one of the better rehires they have. I think so. Like, listen, I watched his entire NXT run. I saw his work in Impact. I saw his work in New Japan. Will he be WWE World Champion? Probably not. It doesn't even really matter. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier to you before we hit live here, that I think a lot of people are forgetting. With a lot of the people the Triple H has brought back, you do want to bring back difference makers. I mean, to me, someone that could be a difference maker, two people that could be difference makers and be real stars for them are L.A. Knight and Santos Escobar. Now, those two aren't two people that were brought back to the company. Like, people are only really focusing on the returns. A lot of the returns are so they can fill a role. Bray Wyatt is very over. He's going to be main eventer as he was before he left, as was Braun Strowman. Um, the rest of the people either can be in time, like a Gargano, or are there to fill a mid-card or undercard role. Dexter and Loomis is not coming in to be world champion. No shit. No one wants to see him in that role anyway. But doing the comedy stuff, as long as it's not dragged out for another six months, and I'm perfectly fine with that, you know? Um, but, like, Escobar and Knight, people forget about them. He took LA Knight, saved his career. Knight probably would have been fired as Max Dupree if Triple H didn't turn him into the NXT character that he was previously. Escobar and Legato probably would have never been called up under Vince McMahon. So Triple H is saving people's careers here. People like Sarah Logan is not going to come in and be a champion. I don't give a shit about Sarah Logan, but she works well as a manager for the Viking Raiders, adds a new element to their act. That's perfect. Bronson Reed is a guy in six months could be underwhelming, sure, but I think he can come in and be maybe a mid-card champion as a solo badass, like I said, should not be aligned with The Miz. He can come in, wreck shit, and, um, you know, he's very agile, big man. It's not like he can't fucking move. He's not like Omos. They need more people like Bronson Reed, who's a big guy, but he can also fucking wrestle and have good matches with pretty much anyone on the roster. So uh, I'm a fan of this move. People shitting on it, saying, oh, it's another person no one cares about. No, why? Well, he's been gone for two years. He, not that anyone would care. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he beat Okada. You should care. Like, no one, most WWE fans will not care about that, which I understand, but... 
I don't know. I just feel like it's a good hire, and I think he can go far if uh, given the right opportunity. Would you agree? No, I agree. I think he. I, I, I like Fransonry. I really like the NXT. I feel like he could be, like you said, I think a perfect position for him is like a good mid-card champion in WWE. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a main eventer, and I, I don't see that happening. But I feel like he could be like U.S. or Intercontinental title in like the next year or two. I don't think that's over, over being like optimistic. I think that's definitely possible. And I think, like you said, he is a big man that can wrestle. He has like the same... Similar body types to Otis, but he can actually wrestle. Otis can't do anything, so, I mean, I guess that's a positive. Yeah, <laughs> I think Otis is fine, but I understand your your uh, your your take on it. I mean, yeah, Otis is just bigger and can't move around as well as Bronson Reed can, I'll tell you that much. So, uh, yeah, no, I think he'll do perfectly fine. Uh, I already mentioned the Zayn and Styles stuff. Rollins, in theory, which set up the main event with you know Rollins and Owens against the Usos, acknowledging that Rollins and Owens were buddies earlier this year I thought was great but the Rollins and Theory exchange was terrific TV those guys had a great promo exchange doing another again another great job because there is no Raw next week it's the best of 2022 show because uh, they the weird thing is that they have two house shows that day they're doing a Smackdown house show in New York and they're doing a Raw house show somewhere else so it's not as if the superstars get the day off so I'm not really sure why they're not doing a Raw I thought that was a little weird um, but listen I don't really care we don't have to cover it watch it whatever but anyway, the Rollins Theory match uh, coming up on January, I think it's 2nd, January 2nd. They promoted really well here. Great final segment. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Theory's been doing some great work since he got repackaged of sorts. And they hit the reset button with him, becoming more intense, becoming more serious. And I thought this uh, exchange here was another great example of that. No, I thought this was a good back and forth. Uh, Rollins still needs a chill with the laugh. I can't stand the laugh. It's not like... No, I, I agree, yeah. I can't with the laugh, but... Besides that, I thought it was good mic work by both of them. I died when he told Rollins he was the third most successful person in the field. My dad fucking died laughing, and he hates theory. So um, I like that line. Like I said, I feel like him as a more serious character is definitely working. Yeah, no, it really is. I think it's working, and they, they put the belt on him, and he's doing some good work right now. So I'm looking forward to that U.S. title match in two weeks on Raw. Uh, from there, we had Bailey and Becky Lynch for the first time one-on-one. And I think they mentioned... Four years, I think May or April of 2019 was the last time on SmackDown, so about three and a half years, and they had a good match here. I think they are capable of better. The crowd was on the quieter side. Um, Again, it was the third hour, but they were also two big stars. They probably should have been hotter than they were, but I thought this was a good match, and Bayley winning was the right call to keep the feud going. Um, She cheated the win, so it wasn't as if Becky lost clean, but Becky losing at all is a big deal, dude. Becky almost never loses. Uh, I know she lost. She was on a bit of a losing streak earlier this year. Be- before she faced Bianca at SummerSlam, she lost her fair amount of matches on Raw for whatever reason. But, you know, for a woman that was largely undefeated going into Mania this year, she's been very well protected. So Bailey beating her, regardless of how it happened, was a big deal. And I'm glad she wanted to keep the feud going, and I thought it was a good match. No, I thought this was a good match. Like you said, probably not the best they could do, but for the time slot and when it was and on Raw, I feel like it was a fine match. Um... Becky losing here doesn't, I mean, she can lose a thousand matches at this point she's already made, so it doesn't really totally matter. If you're going to keep damage control somewhat relevant, you need Bailey to win, so, I mean, the right result here, and it wasn't like she beat her clean anyway, so, we'll see what goes here. I I wonder if, like, Becky's going to get some backup or something will happen from that aspect, but I thought this was a a pretty good match for for, Raw. Yeah, they're telling that story that Becky is going at it alone, she's a victim of the numbers game, so who who those people would be, I don't know. 
you know, Asuka's being repackaged right now. Alexa Bliss is being repackaged right now. So the two obvious people are probably out of the question. Her and Bianca already teamed at War Games. So I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Dewdrop still hasn't come back yet. I assume they're just waiting to bring her back as Piper Nevin. Thank God. Um, if they brought back Nikki, Nikki Cross as Nikki Cross, I assume it's merely a matter of time before we see Dewdrop again as Piper Nevin. Um, we get to the main event, Kevin Owens and Seth freaking Rollins taking on the Usos. Uh, another really, really good match. I assume they're telling the story that Owens will find a million different partners before he finally, you know, aligns with Sami Zayn and they beat the Usos for the tag titles of WrestleMania, which I can't wait for. Um, but this was good stuff. Owens and Rollins have always had great chemistry as opponents, partners. This was no exception. I, I thought of you when I was watching this match when it was over because you, you've said this before. I feel like the Usos lose a lot. You know, the singles matches, I don't mind. But, like, I feel with the non-title matches, they lose more than they should. Because they lost here. They lost at the SmackDown that we went to before Survivor Series. They lost to Drew and Sheamus earlier in the year in a non-title match. They didn't go anywhere at the time. They lose non-title matches a bit more than they should. So, I mean, Owens and Rollins are white hot right now, so I'm okay with it. But just worth pointing out. But I thought this was a very entertaining main event to close out the show, though. Kid and I took it out of my mouth. Yeah. thought it was a good match, but the Usos was way too much of the tag team. I mean, I understand that they're trying to get Owens over, but, like, okay, just have him cheat the win, and then you get Owens win. Like, the problem, I guess, I have with the booking as well is, like, they literally beat the shit out of everybody on Raw, and then they get beat, then they, like, it's like, then they get beat up by Owens, and basically Owens by himself, and then they just lose the match, and then nothing really happens after the fact, and they beat up Solo, and then Sammy comes in but doesn't do anything. So, I mean, I was fine with them running house, but, like I said, they should be winning, I don't even care if they cheat the win. They need a win, and then they lose, and then then they can get their ass kicked after. I don't. Know. I don't like. I don't like how they were booked the like, whole show to be in this unstoppable force, and then they just get fucking bent over by Owens and Rollins. I don't know. I just feel like it just makes everyone else in the roster look like fucking losers because they literally ran through the whole raw roster the entire show, and then they just lose in the, in the main event. And like you said, seeing singles matches fine. They're not singles wrestlers, but they're literally been tagging champions for over a year. I mean. They lose way too many non-title matches, and it's usually to people, I understand they're the main top card, but, like, they can cheat to win. I mean, it's not over the realm. Like, they should be winning more matches. They they beat all the fucking job teams and tag team matches that no one cares about. Whenever they face, like, these impromptu teams with main eventers, they lose every time. So it's like, how good are they actually? Because whenever they face anyone good, they lose. Yeah, no, it's it's... I don't know. I mean, I know they're bulletproof booking-wise. I get that. But at the same time, I feel like it would just mean more. Like, with the Roman Reigns thing, it's the, it's the complete opposite where Roman has been champion for so long now. But he's not out there. He doesn't wrestle on TV much nowadays anyway. But he's not out there losing TV matches. He's not getting pinned in six-mans and even singles matches or whatever. They're waiting for the time for him to lose the belts to get pinned. And I know the Usos are the the setup guys for Roman Reigns, I get that, but they, they lose at least once a month in non-title matches. And for guys that have been in champions for as long as they have been, unless they give Owens and Rollins a title match, which wouldn't happen for another several weeks anyway, because we don't have a Raw next week, and Rollins is facing Theory in two weeks on Raw, so I, I don't know when they would do it. Um, I'm just not a fan of it, so uh, yeah. A DQ would have been fine. Listen, I don't mind the fact they had the bloodline beat everyone up over the course of the night. They got their comeuppance at the end of the show. That's fine with me. It's just the fact that Owens and Rollins aren't even really a tag team. I mean, I know they're friends and whatever in storyline to an extent, but they're not a real team, and it's not leading to a match with them at, like, the Rumble, I don't think. Maybe maybe it does. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That would be better than Owens and, and Roman again, I think. But um, I would rather they keep Kevin 
out of the tag team stuff until he just teams with Sammy at WrestleMania. That, to me, would make the most sense. Um, but like I said, though, I actually really enjoyed this show. I thought it was the best Raw in a while. In which A pleasant surprise, because usually these holiday week shows are pretty fucking abysmal. I wasn't a big fan of Dynamite that we'll get to in a minute, but I thought Raw was very good. And like I said, it was the last live Raw of the year, because there is no Raw next week. It's a best of 2022 show, so nothing to watch next week, which uh, leaves us more room to just break down the... Uh, um, the 2022 Year in Review Awards, but we'll get into Dynamite now from Wednesday. This was the Holiday Bash Show edition of Dynamite. Um, Action Andretti popped up again, saving Ricky Starks from Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, I thought the segment was... I actually really liked this segment. I thought, you know, regardless of what you think about Andretti, I do think that they followed up with him very well on this show because he beat Jericho last week, and when Ricky Starks was out there and Jericho interrupted him, which I also really liked, I got worried thinking... Fuck, like, are they already moving on from this Andretti guy? Like, they're not even going to try with him. He, he won't be on the show for another three weeks. But no, he saved Ricky. And um, then after that, we heard him backstage before the fireball thing, which, whatever. But, you know, uh, you know, he was on the show a decent amount. And I thought the, I, I like the idea, say what you will about Jericho, but he's still a star at the end of the day. And as long as this doesn't drag out for, you know, five or six months and Jericho goes over in the end, I'm fine that Ricky should be beating a guy like Jericho. Ricky just lost to MJF, and now he has direction. So I can't complain here personally. Yeah, I mean, it was what it was. But like you said, I feel like the story is more about Ricky than the action Andretti guy who just beat Jericho. I feel like he's just kind of in the peripheral right now, but the story is Ricky and, and Jericho. And that's fine with me. That's fine. I think as long as actually he doesn't need to be feuding with Jericho, I get that. I mean, I'm fine with that because people probably won't care off the bat. They had him beat Jericho in his debut match on Dynamite. And they can follow up with that with more wins. Maybe he beats Hager on Rampage one of these days. I mean, it's better than nothing. I was just worried that, and it could still happen, that he just completely disappears from the show. So at least he's on it all is my thing. I mean, once he's done with Jericho and this thing, he'll be gone from the show. I've marked my words. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I hope that doesn't happen. I'm just saying in the immediate aftermath, usually they do a big debut like this. So like when Jay Lethal showed up a year ago, he wasn't on Dynamite again for like another fucking month or two. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping oh, that yeah, doesn't happen. I understand that aspect, yeah. yeah. But I know what you're saying. I know that you're you're expecting it to happen. And if I was a betting man, I would bet right alongside you because that probably will happen once this thing is over. Uh, you didn't watch the Elite uh, Death Triangle match, right? Match five? I, I skipped it. You, you just can't stomach it. I can't stomach the cheerleading. They, I told you this before. You didn't, you weren't aware of it because you didn't see it. But Kenny Omega kicked out of a hammer shot, and then they won anyway. Oh joy! So the match, what I actually enjoyed the match more than the other ones because this actually had a stipulation. But listen, I appreciate the attempt. I know you didn't watch it. I'll just keep this brief. I appreciate the attempt to switch up the story in each match, but they've been focusing way too fucking much on this dumb hammer shit. Like, it was cute for the first time or two. They've been doing it in every match since then. This was the fifth match. I'm ready for this shit to be over. The Elite winning was no surprise. The, the crowd was into the match and whatever, but again, I'm just ready for this shit to be over so we can move on. Um, we are getting a match six next week that the Elite are definitely going to win, right? We're, we're heading to match seven on January 11th for sure. I mean, they know stipulations at this point. I expect it to go all seven. Yeah, I would be very surprised if it doesn't actually happen. So, and I don't think it. I don't think it won't happen. I think it will. So the match was what it was. The elite win. LOL. We move on. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Bryant Danielson Ethan Page exchange? Exchange. Excuse me. I, I I think Ethan's fine. I've never been his biggest fan. Uh, he's a great talker. He gets a lot of great heat. I just don't give a fuck about the firm. But like a Danielson Page match, if this was meant to set that up, I'm fine with that. Um, as a holdover for Brian and MJF, which they're probably waiting until Revolution for anyway. 
I I thought this was solid though. I thought it was well done, if nothing else. I thought it was fine. I mean, I like Brian. The whole firm crap. I, less is better with that stuff. But uh, like you said, if it's gonna, I feel like it's just gonna be something the whole Brian over until we get him and MJF at Revolution, which isn't horrible. But I mean, it's also two more months away. I don't know how much more firm crap I can take. So it was fine for what it was. I'm not the biggest Page fan. I, I feel like it's like okay, but I mean, the whole like they haven't really done it and they made people care about him. So. Maybe maybe not. I doubt he's gonna knock Brian off here. So I guess we'll see where it goes from there. But it was all right. Yeah, no, I thought it was decent for what it was. And uh, you know, Page held his own on the mic, and they'll probably set up a match for if they haven't already for Dynamite next week or Rampage or whatever. Dynamite um, next week. Oh, they already announced it. I'm pretty sure. It oh, is. okay. I must have missed that. All right, so that makes sense. Um, Hook was on the show finally, not doing anything really, but he beat a guy named Exodus Prime in a quick squash over in about a minute. He saw. Big Bill, which I just I can't bring myself to say, but I guess I have to. Big Bill, the former W. Morrissey, and Lee Moriarty shown beating up Jack Perry in the back, setting up a tag team match. Listen, the story makes no sense. I don't give a fuck about the firm. It's funny because the bloodline was all over Raw. Were they overexposed? Sure, but listen, I enjoyed all of it, so I didn't really give a shit. Um, the firm felt overexposed on this show, the exact opposite, and that I just can't bring myself to give a shit about that faction at all. So them being all over the show with this stuff next... And them, uh, you know, attacking Perry. I know it's meant to set up a tag team match. The only saving grace of this is that Perry is still doing stuff coming out of the Luchasaurus win. Not overly, anything overly important, but it's something. And it gets hooked back on the show. That's really the only positive thing I can say about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the firm as we just kind of went over. But, I mean, if it keeps Jungle Boy somewhat busy, I like I like Hook. And, feel like, he wasn't even on the show for a little bit. So, we'll take it here. Um, but less firm, the better. For them, for me, like, the, how much they're on the show is, like, how I'd feel if, like, the Judgment Day was all over Raw. It's like, oh, my God, let's move on. Yeah, no, but at least the, at least the Judgment Day had chemistry. Like, these are just a bunch of random people with no chemistry at all. No, I can, yeah, no, I agree. I just, I don't know, they get the same vibe for me. I, like, yeah. One, one segment, okay. Two, you're like, uh, all over the show, you're like, come on. And uh, three different segments, who could possibly bring themselves to care? I guess if you're a firm fan, then fine. I'm not personally, so this just doesn't do a lot for me at all. Do you think with Hook, like, they were smart to capitalize on his popularity and put him in the ring about a year ago. And, you know, he's been in the ring since then. He's been the FTW champion for a while. I just, I don't know. I feel like they just don't know what to do with him. Because remember, they did that whole Danhausen thing that was very quick. You know, people cared, I guess, but it was also over very quickly. It was over as quickly as it started, and they haven't interacted since on TV. And Hook was back to doing nothing. I just feel like they don't know what to do with Hook because they don't want to put him up against actual competition, but they also don't want to have him off the show or losing at this point. So it's it, they're in a very it's like the Jade Cargill effect. They just don't know what to do with him. So he's undefeated, really, just facing losers for the time being. Yeah. No. I mean, I feel like. Yeah, I yeah, I really don't. Yeah, I, I, it's tough. I feel like, yeah, I just feel like he just is just a random person. They didn't know what to do with him, so they took him off TV. And now he's back, and I guess they're putting him with Jungle Boy. But like you said, after that, what do you do with him? I don't know. I feel like he's one of those people that probably could have used like the team task, could have been around a little bit longer, and he could have like he could have needed that a little bit longer. But like now, you're like, what the fuck do we do with him? Yeah, I don't know. It's just I I feel like they're just at a standstill right now with him, where they just don't know what to do and they don't want to have him lose. Like I said, so 
Now, like I said, at least it's on the show. I appreciate that, but a bit more direction would be nice. Uh, John Moxley facing Darius Martin. Did you catch this match? I did. I thought it was a good match. I just don't know what purpose it was supposed to serve, though. Like, I think Moxley's actually had some really good matches lately on Dynamite. Um, Sammy does not interest me at all at this point, Sammy Guevara. But they had a really good match last week. I thought that the Kanosuke-Takeshkin match two weeks ago was excellent. This was like, it felt like their attempt to make a new star. And I think Darius is good, Dante's good, I like top flight, whatever. Um, it felt like just kind of a, an advertisement for that stupid $300,000, bear with me, $300,000, Three Kings, Christmas Casino, Trios Battle Royal. i got to take a breath. Um, that's really the only purpose this served, because I don't really know what this accomplished otherwise. Yeah, I think it was just like you said, just to kind of get that get that out there, that he's a, him and his brother and Eric Fox are going to be in that. I can't even say it. I, 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 I want to kill myself so the battle royal i'll just give you the uh yeah but uh yeah i thought it was a decent match this kind of was there like i said i feel like this is more because i mean moxley and the bcc are going to be in there too so i guess that's uh i i I guess that's why they did it just kind of plugged that match because both guys and their teams are going to be in the in the battle royal so uh yeah it was a decent match that was just that was it yeah, and it was fine for what it was, but, uh, you know, I thought Darius had a good showing, but uh, other than the Battle royal stuff, this was just kind of there to kill TV time, so. Um, how can anyone care about this stupid Battle royal if all that's on the line is money, and we know it's not actual money because it's, it's, a, it's a fixed match, you know? No, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. It's, I mean, the, all the team, basically all the teams in there are job people, so. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, well, to call a spade... Well, yeah, there's also jobbers in there, but listen, to call a spade a spade, because I didn't say this earlier, but, like, the Miz and Loomis match... I, the match itself was fine. That actually has a story. This match didn't have a story, or the Battle Royal, rather, on Friday. That also was for money that we know is not real. That, at least in that case, makes sense. Because, like I said, Miz used that money to pay off Bronson Reed to help him win. So that kind of makes sense. I still didn't care. But I hate matches for money. Like, they used to do that back in the territories all the time. Like, oh, $200,000, the winner. Okay, who gives a shit? I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but back in the day, it was also it was still a shoot at that point, so people didn't know. Yeah, I mean. true. I feel like back in the day that I mean more because people actually bought it. Nowadays, everyone knows it's fucking, it's not real. So they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, who gives a shit? Uh, we had the guns beating FTR. You know, we were talking about this earlier before we hit record. It really does feel like FTR is on the way out. Maybe they could be doing a losing streak. I'm not sure why you would do that with one of your most over acts in the entire fucking company. The match was solid. The guns are fine. They've been better lately as heels than they were when they first showed up a few years ago. Whatever. Um... I just listen. I know you like the guns more than I do. I just feel like of all the time, all the teams rather in AEW, if that you want to put over FTR to really benefit from beating FTR, the guns just they're just they're not it. They're just not those guys. They're just not the guys for the job. I mean, they're they're fine. They're the guys to job, I think. But like to really push and get over, to me, that's just not. They're not them. They are not them. So I just I don't know. This match was fine. I just don't know what they're doing with FTR. It kind of felt like a. It, w- it was less about, like you said, we talked earlier, like the reaction, no one cared. To me, it was less about the guns winning and F- rather more about FTR losing. FTR people were surprised. Losing. Yeah, people were like, why? They're like, why are they still losing? Like, because people love these guys and they just, they're not, I don't know. I just don't get it. Unless there's a heel turn coming, which I also don't agree with because they're so over. Um, it really does feel like they might be on their way out. Maybe Tony Khan's just playing into that and they stay. I don't know why they would stay if this is how they're going to be booked, though. So I don't understand. No, I thought this was a fine match. I think I told you this before. I thought that was a decent match, but 
I guess my problem with it was I just feel felt like from the match that they had with the Bristol, I feel like Dax was still pretty banged up and same with Cash. I don't know, I just feel like it was basically a two on one match with, with the guns versus with Cash and then Dax came in at the very end. But I don't know, it just wasn't their best match, obviously with injuries and stuff like that. But like I said, I feel like the crowd just didn't maybe care because no one really cares about the gun call. I think they're fine. I, I think they're better. They'd be better off with their dad, their dad with them. I don't really love them by themselves, but they're with uh, the Ass Club, or they're with um, the Acclaimed. Come on, Billy Gunn. I just don't care. Um, but no, that was a fine match. But like I said, I think also it's coming out of the match. It's not. Oh my God, the Gun Ass Boys won. It's more the fact that that FTR lost. So I just I don't know. And yeah, no, I agree. That was really the top takeaway here. I just. Uh... I hope there's bigger things in their future for 2023, and this is actually leading somewhere. And I, I don't have, they don't have my benefit of the doubt with this one because AEW has Tony Khan is fucked up with booking stuff a lot this year, so they don't have that benefit with me where it's like, oh, I have faith that it's leading somewhere. They lost that a little while ago, so um, I honestly don't know if this is going anywhere. If it's just to uh, have them lose because they're on their way out potentially, I do feel like they're going to lose the IWGP Tag Titles next at Wrestle Kingdom in a couple weeks. Um, worse than that was the next segment, which was far and away the worst thing on the entire show. The Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, Rick Ross segment. It was awkward, like Swerve take, took a while to get out there, which I guess was maybe intentional, but it was still weird. Um, everyone was kind of off there, you know, wasn't really on the same page. Rick Ross calling Keith Lee a big motherfucker. I don't know how that got thrown. That wasn't bleeped. Um, that was funny, but... This was weird. I really like the Keith Lee Swerve story. It's dragged on for way too long. But listen, they're telling a story. I like both guys. Swerve's been killing it as a heel. I don't even mind the idea of him with a faction. Like, is Rick Ross going to be with them every week? I'd be shocked, honestly. Um, but they have Parker Brudeau, or Br- I can't even say it. I don't even know. It's not Scar. It's not like Scarlet Bordeaux. It's spelled differently, I think. But- I think it's Parker Boudreaux. Boudreaux. Okay, thank you. Boudreaux. Uh, or I'll just call him Parker, but and some guy that looked like he just escaped from prison, attacking Keith Lee. I do. I mean, I don't know. This this shit did nothing for me. I know we're not alone because it was a widely negatively received segment by the audience. There, no one gave a shit. No one watching at home gave a shit. I love Swerve, but I don't want this crap to drag him down. Uh, drag him down at all because he just doesn't need these two losers with him. I don't think. No, yeah, I, I love Swerve. I mean, he's probably been one of my favorite things on, on AEW TV, especially for like a WWE guy coming to AEW. And, I mean, what is this? I mean, yeah. I don't mind that, like you said, I don't mind that he has a group, but just the people they put in it. Like, Parker Boudreaux, okay. But this other guy, like, who the hell is this other guy? I mean, I don't even know who the hell he was. And like you said, there's no chance that Rick Ross is with him every week. Maybe like on pay-per-views and stuff, this is like, something that continues, but he's not going to be showing up on Dynamite every week. I, I can tell you that for a fact, but I mean, I like Swerve enough that I guess I'll give it a try, but I don't know. This screams like it's not going anywhere, and Swerve ain't going anywhere, unfortunately. Well, I mean, they are doing the Swerve-Keith Lee feud match, but beyond that, like, where do you go Beyond from that, from? I feel yeah. like I, I, I don't see him going anywhere. I love Swerve. Well, you don't like the idea of another, the, what, the 37th faction in AEW? We just got another one on Dark called Spanish Announce Project on Tuesday. I just don't Care. I just don't feel like he needs. Listen, I I think both both parties here need each other. Swerve, I think, needs the rest of Hit Row. Say what you will about Top Dollar, that botch on SmackDown was embarrassingly bad. I appreciate the effort, but that was fucking awful. He could have killed himself. That was just awful. And Ashanti's Ashanti, and B Fab adds a lot to the group from a different perspective. 
They were great together, though. I mean, say what you will about them without Swerve, and Swerve Swerve can do better on his own than they can without him. They, them on their own, they're going to be dead in the water if they aren't already. They all need each other, though. I mean, it's. Do you think? Do you think maybe Tony was maybe? Hope, I mean, I think if Hit Row were free and Triple H didn't take over and Vince was still in charge, Hit Row, Hit Row were not rehired. I think he probably would have brought in Hit Row. To be honest with you, Rick Ross is great. I mean, Rick Ross is cool and all. But these other two guys, because they want a heavy for Swerve, he doesn't need these guys. It's just stupid. I just don't think they fit with him. I guess that's another thing. It's like, Rick Ross, okay. But these two other guys, like you said, wasn't Parker Boudreaux just with the Trustbusters? Like, why the hell is he with fucking Swerve now? And yeah. this other guy, I don't even know who he is. So I guess they're I think, friends of Rick Ross. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, who yeah, gives yeah. a shit? I just, like I said, I just feel like this was completely out of nowhere. And I just, I don't know, they just, they don't feel like they fit with Swerve. I guess that's what I would say. Yeah, um, I just, I don't know. They don't, know. they like don't. I like Swerve enough that I'll give it, I'll g- actually give it some time, but I, I don't love it. I'm sure they'll, maybe they'll grow on me. Maybe it was just an awful start. Maybe it ends up exceeding expectations. Night one was not a great first impression, because that shit sucked. That shit sucked, and, uh, they, they can salvage it, like I said. It's just, it's not off to the best start. So I like Swerve a lot. What do you think if he was booked properly, his ceiling is an AEW? Um, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think, I, I mean, TNT title should definitely be in his horizon next year. Easily. I feel like world champion, just for me, I love Swerve. Just for me, it feels like it's too big for his britches right now. Maybe they, maybe he can keep it going. Maybe. Uh, he's like a perfect TNT guy. I just... I don't see uh, it though. I, I love. Swer- I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't see him them pushing him all the way up the card. So I mean, anything can happen. But I would say right now he'd be like a perfect TNT guy. Easily. I mean, they got Joe with the title right now. Him and Wardlow. I think is next week, isn't it, or in two weeks? It's on. It's on Dynamite next week. All yeah. right. Cool. Yeah. So listen. At least they're making that title relevant again. That title is not. I mean, again. But yeah, again. I mean, Cody made the title relevant, and all the other champions since, like fucking Sam. I mean, Miro also did had a good reign, but. Uh, yeah, exactly. Did you hear that rumor that Miro, um, I guess he turned out, he didn't want a job or something, so they didn't bring him, I don't know, there was some report, either from Fightful Select or from someone else, that indicated that he was pitched something, and he just said, no, I don't want to do that, and he's been sitting home ever since, or just not being used. Yeah, I saw that. I, said, I don't know if it said he was on a job, but they said like they offered him a storyline, he said no, and that's why he hasn't been on the show. And I heard he was also pitching stuff, too. I've heard conflicting things about that. I mean, it depends. I mean, he was a beast, and then what are they going to come back? Like, what's he going to be in the firm? Oh, honestly, maybe he was going to be in the firm. That's why they got fucking dub- Big Bill. I don't know. The firm. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> at the, at the, the mosh posh of guys they have already, why not throw a Bulgarian in the mix? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. It's weird, too, because I think he just resigned to the company earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I don't know. He's not going anywhere except catering for the foreseeable future, it seems. And. You have all these people on Dynamite every week, some deserving of the TV time, others not. Like, you got the firm all over the place, but you can't cut out five minutes for a Miro squash? Come on, really? <laughs> Stupid. We get to the main event. I actually fucking love this match. Jamie Hayter at Kurashida for the AEW Women's World Championship. I thought this was an excellent match. I didn't really have a lot of high hopes for it going into the show. Because, listen, both are great. Hayter's awesome. Sheeta's very talented. But Sheeta hasn't really meant much... In a while, let's be honest. I mean, she had that great match with Tony, and it's not her fault. It's the fact that she lost the title to Britt last year, never got a rematch, and was completely taken off the show for a good year, at least. 
she was largely off the show for the rest of 2021 and most of 2022. It wasn't until like all out season, like recently that she started to resurface again and was on the show and having matches and whatever. Um, but you know, she came back, she was a number one contender and I thought it would be a fine, like mid card match in the middle of the show, but no, they actually closed the show with this. And I'm glad they did because they went out there and worked really, really well together. She had got to do she to shit and Hater was great as always. The crowd was into it. Like you said earlier before we hit record here, Sheeta hitting her, or rather, Sheeta kicking out of Hater's finisher twice was a little, meh, I wouldn't have done that. But the match was still very good, and Hater won in decisive fashion. So um, I, I actually really, really enjoyed this, and I think Hater's run is off to a, a great start so far, better than most of the other women's champions that AEW has had so far. No, oh, yeah, I thought this was a good match. I like Sheeta. I like both women. I mean, Sheeta, like you said, if she was like on TV recently and they kind of built her up a little bit more, I feel like people even got more behind it than they did. I like Sheeta, but she she was like the first she was like the first kind of stage of women's champions in AEW. Like you won the belt, and once you lost, you were off TV for a year. Um, so that's what happened to her, unfortunately. But no, I like Sheeta a lot. I mean, even Britt, like since she's lost the belt, yeah, she's on the show because she's with with Jamie Hayter. But like besides like the Soraya thing, like she really hasn't done much at all, and she was champion for a while too. So. Um, but back to the match, I guess. I thought it was a good match. Like I said, I didn't love how she kicked out of Hater's I think she kicked out three times. I'm pretty sure she hit it like a running lariat, hit her with the lariat another time, like the pull with the hand, mm-hmm. hit it with again. So she kicked out twice, which to me I thought was a little excessive. But yeah. that was a good match. I like Hater a lot. I like Sheeta. I think, I mean, the crowd's really buying Hater too, which is which is good for them. But uh, no, that was a good match. I'm very interested. I mean. I'm honestly really interested to see the, the the ratings and see how usually the women's segments usually have a huge drop off, so maybe that's why they went with the main event. Um, but no, I thought it was it was probably one of the better dynamite women's TV matches I've seen probably in a while. Definitely, and I think it was great that they closed the show with it. Hopefully, it was a uh, you know don't don't put women in the main event just because. I mean, it's got to make sense, and they should. It sh- the thing is, it should make sense more than it does to put them in the main event. And it also, if it's deserving, if it's like Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill, no thanks. But if it's something like this that deserves it, then absolutely, and it's a great match, then why wouldn't you? Um, I think it was only the fifth ever women's main event in Dynamite history after three years, which is still way too few. But you know, I guess they're making progress if nothing else. But it's still ridiculous. Um. Yeah. No. I just I thought they went out there and, and did a great job because I feel like we talk about it all the time. Not only do you lose the title and you disappear for a year, but also when you win the championship, I feel like your first challenger is almost always Nyla Rose. Britt Baker beat yeah, Nyla Gators Rose. What'd you say? Gators a heel though. But so was Britt Baker when she faced. Remember Britt Baker won the yeah. belt and they did I that. Tw- I still feel like she's a tween. Who hater or Baker? Baker, I feel like Baker's like more of a twin. Like, yeah, she is a heel, but she has so many chairs that like. Well, so does like, Hater, though. Yeah, it's true. But you I also know. feel like Hater's not real. Like, she's is she's associated with heels, but I feel like she's like, I feel like she's cheating. I don't know. I feel like she's like a tweener too. Like, I don't know. I feel like also they told the story she's gonna turn on Brit and never came. So maybe we get we're probably gonna get that down the road. But I don't know. I feel like she gets cheered more than she does. Obviously, she's the heel, but. I don't know, it's kind of like a weird dynamic, I guess. Yeah, no, I know it's not clear-cut and whatever, but what my point is is that they could have very easily, for her first title defense, could have very easily come against The Bunny or Nyla Rose or who's a babyface, like, loser on... What'd you say? Uh Blue, yeah, it could have been like, I mean, I know they did her in Sky Blue recently on TV, maybe a month or two ago, but yeah, they, it could have very easily been Sky Blue in the opening of Dynamite, 
And Sky Blue I like, but no one would have cared because she's not a threat. Not that Sheeta was as overly threaty anyway, but at least she's. Not like Sheeta was a threat either. Yeah, but she she at least has a she's a name though, you know. Yeah, she, yeah. yeah, she has credibility exactly. And not only that, dude, but it came in the main event of the show. It came in the main event of Dynamite, which does not happen often. Thunder Rosa won the belt in the main event of the show, and she was barely on the show after that. And she feuded with Nyla Rose and beat her on one of those fucking. Um, uh, champion specials, the battle of the belts that no one saw because no one cared. So, you know, I think it's off to a good start. You mentioned the Baker and uh, Jamie Hader dynamic. I honestly believe that they probably would have done it by now. I know, listen, I know you could say, oh, they did the same with Daniel Garcia and they also pulled back, which was ridiculous. But at least with the Hader thing, not to give them, not to defend Tony Khan here, but I feel like they were going to do the split coming out of All Out. But because Soraya came in and that was like a last minute thing, then that changed their plans because they didn't want to turn Hater babyface and then also bring in Soraya as this big babyface. And she's also much more over than Soraya at this point. That's pretty obvious. I, I do feel like that's coming, though. I feel like the Revolution match could be Hater and Baker if Baker and Hater lose at that January 11th show in that tag team match. You could just have her turn on her from there, you know, whether it's Hater turning on Baker or vice versa, and you do the match at Revolution. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just feel like. If you have them lose, then you'd probably have Hater face someone else. I feel like, oh, like, you also have time, I guess. But I would keep Hater, I would keep Hater face, or guess turn her face. I don't know. I feel like she's a face. I don't know. She's Basically, she is. I mean, let's she's be She's associated with the heel, but whatever. I mean, I would have Brit turn on her. I feel like she's very popular right now. I, I, I would just have Brit turn on her and keep Hater a face. Oh, no, definitely. That's, oh, yeah. When I say Hater return on Baker, I mean, as far as, like, you can have her, like, say I'm, I'm done with your shit and I'm walking out like Wardlow yeah. Wardlow turned that MJF basically and he was the baby face but I know what you're saying though um, yeah that, that could be the revolution match I don't want them to drag this out for another nine months but whether it's there double or nothing they could always do Soraya and uh, Hater Revolution obviously Soraya would lose and that's fine I mean she's not she's only wrestling once a month anyway she didn't even wrestle in December she wrestled in full gear and her next match is in January um, do you have any other thoughts on the Soraya mystery partner? Because Tony Storm also came back afterward, and it seems pretty obvious it's going to be Tony. They should just announce it next week and not leave people hanging, thinking it might be Mercedes, which it could be. I don't think it will be though. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, Tony Storm coming out. I feel like probably a good chance it's her, but I mean, it could also be. I, I guess you're gonna call her Mercedes. I mean, Sasha Banks, whatever. Yeah, Sasha Banks. I'm just gonna call her Sasha Banks. I don't like fucking right now. It's just. <laughs> Don't like it. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if, like you said, she came back, so it kind of makes sense. If it's going to be her, they better, they should just announce it beforehand. Because if they don't and it's her, it's kind of, people would be so fucking oh, mad. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I, I think at, at this point, it's probably going to be Tony Storm. Um, but we'll, we'll see from there. Yeah, it seems to me in the most likely direction they would go in. Um, that's what I would do anyway. I would just have it be Soraya and, uh, uh, Tony, because Tony's back now, and then have them face Baker and Jamie. So that's the match I would do. And then you can uh, go on from there to do, like I said, Hater and Baker at the uh, Revolution pay-per-view. So we'll see. I actually kind of thought for a second, I, I completely forgot about this until after the match was over. Because you know how they do these things. With the post-match beatdown, the afterbirth, as you call it, you know, they, the, someone comes out, makes the save, blah, blah, blah. You know, Tony and Soraya did, but part of me thought, because they were in San Antonio, part of me thought Thunder Rosa might come out, and that was why this main evented. But shockingly, that did not happen. I know she's still hurt, and she's talked about, oh, I might not be ready till January, February, or like February or whatever. But she could have easily been kayfabing it, and she could have been back sooner, I guess. But obviously, it's not the case. Otherwise, she would have been back last night. No, yeah, definitely. 
I'm surprised that she's not back already. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised that she's not back already, but I was a little surprised, and not in a bad way. I'm thinking, oh, maybe they're doing this in the main event because they want to bring back Thunder Rosa. But honestly, I think it's a better case that she didn't come back because I feel like if they if they did that, then it's going to send the message, oh, well, the only reason you put the women in the main event was to bring back Thunder Rosa. But no, actually, they put the men in the main event because they knew they would have a great match and to set up what they did afterwards. So, listen, dude, baby steps. This division has not been great with the women's division. It's not a knock on the talent, but rather how they're perceived and booked and whatever and handled. They're doing, Tony Khan's doing a better job of it. Not miraculously, but it's slightly better than it was, which I have to acknowledge. So, I like that. But Dynamite was all right. Wasn't a big fan. I thought it started well, ended well. Everything in the middle, eh, didn't exactly hold my interest. So, we do have one more live show next week with Dynamite on Wednesday, but... We're not going to be talking about that next Thursday, Mr. Marceau, because we got the 2022 Year in Review Awards from WWE, AEW. We got the match of the year, the show of the year, male wrestler of the year, superstar or female superstar of the year. We got feud of the year and a lot more. There's so many categories. I think I put 14 in there in total. Um, I have, uh, you know, show of the year, pay-per-view of the year, like I said, return of the year, best WWE return, uh, most, you know, uh, disappointing wrestler, best signing for AEW and a lot more. And we talked about it last week as far as what you voted for, and you didn't tell me what you voted for, but you said you had a tough time choosing with some of them, uh, very few of them. But uh, I'm looking forward to breaking that down with you, Mr. Marceau. Believe it or not, that's going to be the 10th, I don't think I've said this enough, the 10th annual Year in Review Awards. And you've been with me for most of them, brother, so I'm looking forward to breaking it down. Can't wait. i got to stuff the ballot one more time. got to stuff the ballot one more time, and you have the time, Mr. Marceau. I would advise you not to do that, but if you were to do that, you <laughs> got you got time because they close on Wednesday, and we're going to break it down Thursday here on the show, uh, December 29th, for the final WrestleRant Radio of 2022. So until then, brother, have a great one. Uh, make sure to text me everything you got from Santa on Christmas. I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. Sounds good, brother. Sounds good, brother. Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you soon. See you later, man. Adios. Adios. <laughs>